So I think both of us and probably the rest of us have found ourselves with quite a bit of time locked up, cooped up inside our homes. And now this is a good time not only to catch up on your latest Netflix, Netflix series, but it's also a good time to start a new hobby. And that's exactly what we're going to talk about today. I'm Jason Cipriani with Jason Perlow, and this is Jason Square. So Jason, we have probably a few more weeks, if not longer, of stay-at-home orders and self-quarantines and all of that going on. What are you doing to help you pass the time? Well, you know, there's only so much work you can do all day, right? I mean, I'm, a, I'm we're, of course, we've both talked about working from home, working at your desk, doing all sorts of things. But right. you got to have downtime. you got to have spare time. And you don't want to use all that spare time sitting in front of a computer screen, a pad screen, your phone screen, your TV right. screen. There's only so many, you know, Netflix things you can watch and computer games you can play before you start to go completely crazy. Um, so there's a lot of things you can do, hobbies that, you know, not, that don't necessarily cost a lot of money um, that are productive and things that you can have fun with. Um, you know, old school arts and craft types things, but also, you know, making food items too is something that can be fun. and Absolutely. Useful. Yeah. So uh, one thing I've been doing, and I, it's actually been a hobby of mine for the last, I don't know, six years or so is making beer I make my own homemade beer. I have quite a fancy and sophisticated setup with admittedly thousands of dollars invested into all the different equipment, but making beer at home isn't an expensive endeavor at all. You can get a starter kit to make your own beer at home for probably around $150, I would say, for an extract kit. Uh, and you know, and the process is fun. There's quite a bit of science involved in making beer. It's not as uh, simple as you would think. There's a lot of different variables and aspects to, to brewing your own beer. Uh, but, you know, like morebeer.com, northernbrewer.com, websites like that are still selling hops and kits and extract and, and everything you would need to, or bottles, all that to make your own beer at home. A normal kit makes five gallons of beer, which is a lot of beer. Uh, it's about 52 bottles or so. And, you know, it takes a month or three weeks to a month, depending on if you want to rush it. But one thing it's taught me over the years is patience. You know, making beer and letting yeast do its thing is uh, something you cannot rush, especially once you get to that point. Um, what's something you've been doing, Jason? So, uh, you know, Rachel and I have, well, I don't, I don't uh, brew beer because um, I'm not a, a huge beer drinker anymore. I mean, I love it when someone serves it to me. I get it at a pub or something, but I haven't sure. made it. Um, we have uh, been, what I have, I am a big cocktails fanatic. Um, okay. I got to have my cocktail hour at the end of the day, uh, sometimes earlier than the end of the day these days. But um, so one of the ways that you can really expand your home bar without spending a lot of money and produce some really good in, uh, cocktails, especially if you like margaritas and daiquiris and things like that, fr the fruitier stuff, the, the sour stuff, you can infuse uh, base alcohol such as vodka and rum uh, with fruits, right? And okay. you or other things. So uh, the common things that I usually do is I usually go to I buy the you know the American vodka from from Costco, you know the fourteen dollar bottle, uh, you know one point seven five liter, you know eighty proof vodka, and I will infuse that for two weeks with my choice of fresh fruit that I get from the supermarket or from the delivery service. Really? So, you know, whatever's in your season or whatever I can get, 
whether it's strawberries or blackberries or you know blueberries, um, even bananas and rum is great. Um, you know, you put you slice that up, you you get yourself a big container, you pour you pour the 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 the, the alcohol uh, on top of the fruit, you let it sit for you know sometimes a week is enough, maybe two weeks. Um, you get some better results out of certain types of um, of fruit. Uh, for orange zest and and, and for um, for for different types of citrus fruits, they do have oils in the in in the actual skin. So okay. you're gonna need a higher proof alcohol for that, probably a hundred proof vodka, or you can get the 126 proof Jamaican rum. You can use Everclear also, um, but really you only need to do that for 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 oily types of fruits like um, for for citrus. Pretty much for for regular fruit, an 80 proof vodka is already proof rum is perfectly fine. You let it sit for two weeks, then you strain it. And then now you have your, your, your fruit flavored booze. If you want to make it sweeter, you add a little bit of um, simple syrup to it, uh, to the bottle, or you do it to the drink as you need it. And it's, it makes a great base for a cocktail. I love making margaritas uh, or daiquiris with the fruit flavored uh, alcohols. Um, and it's, it, it's more natural and tastes better than any you know, commercial product you can possibly get for that kind of thing. So do you just try it throughout the two weeks until you get to a flavor profile you like, or do you just go set two weeks? At, at the end of the first week, I'll taste and like, yeah, let's see if I need it or not. And then, you know, let it go another week, you know, if it needs it. Absolutely. Take it off so, a bit every other yeah, day. Yeah, that, that makes sense. I, I don't like hard alcohol all that much, but that makes a lot of sense. And, you know, I've seen shows where people do that um, and watch videos of making their own homemade liquor and adding flavors to it, but uh, I've never thought about doing it to store-bought liquor. So that's, a, that's an interesting approach. Another thing I've been doing is making homemade pizza. And this is, again, something I've done for quite a while uh, before everything that's going on. And I've continued doing it. And actually, it gives me a little bit more time to experiment. Uh, you know, there's a lot of debate in the pizza world. It, it's funny, these hobbies have their own worlds where you know, there's dogma and, and tradition, and then there's also the new way of doing things. And one of those common debates is whether or not you should let your pizza dough cold ferment, which means you mix up your dough and you let it sit in the fridge for four days a week, yeah. let it ferment out and add a little bit of a different flavor to your dough, or whether or not you make it in the morning and, and bake it that night. I personally prefer a dough that's been made and set in the fridge for four or five days. I think the little bit of sourness and tanginess that it provides to the dough is a little bit is better. It's my personal preference. I like that better than dough that was made the morning of. But I use a website. It is pizzacreator.net. You go on this website, you pick your type of pizza. There's American, uh, Sicilian, and I think there's a few other different options on there, and how many dough balls you need, and it tells you the exact amount of ingredients you need to put in. You can really dive deep into it and adjust like the hydration percentage or the percentage of yeast and salt and all of that if you want to really geek out on it, or you could do a very basic, just pick the type of pizza you want, how many dough balls, and it, it'll tell you how much flour, water, yeast, and salt. Um, and some styles use sugar as well as olive oil as well. Uh, have you messed around? I, I've seen it quite a bit with sourdough starters. Yeah, so, so it's funny, you know, if you, if you look at the Twitter feeds, you know, a lot of people yeah. are doing sourdough. Now, the reason why people are doing sourdough, you know, it's not just suddenly something everyone decided, wow, we all need to do sourdough. It's because um, there are shortages right now. Well, one, of course, it's harder to find bread 
in supermarkets right now because people are hoarding and buying lots of basic food items, right? Yeah. Be prepared basic food items. Um, but you can get flour. Yes. Um, but apparently it's harder to get yeast for some particular reason. I have seen that. So sourdough, the ancient ways of making sourdough bread do not require buying, you know, they, don't, they didn't use a yeast starter. You know, yeast is something that exists in the environment around us, right? It's a, it's a you know, it's a microbe. Um, you basically begin a natural fermentation process uh, with, with flour and water, and you let it ferment for a couple of days. And what happens is, is that, you know, the, the environmental yeast comes and feeds on the sugars in the flour. And over you know a couple of days, um, you're going to create uh, a sourdough starter or bread starter, right? A fermentation starter. Now there are some people that you know maintain their starters for years and years and years and years and years. I mean, I I, I know some guy, um, somebody else in the computer industry. He went out to Italy, uh, you know, a couple of years ago and got some 400 year old starter from a baker in Italy, who's apparently the same family. Apparently has been feeding and feeding and feeding because you basically every time you make a bread, you know, you take right. some of the flour out and that just keeps living and goes on and on. Some people even give them names like pets, you know. Yeah, right. So, uh, but sourdough is a process. You know, it does take a while to create that, a good starter. You know, like I said, you got to have it nice and fermented for it to to, to be alive, for it to, to continue to to to, to gestate doughs and things like that. So it is, it's a great hobby and the results are fantastic because when you come out, when you have a really nice sourdough, big, you know, crusty sourdough bread, it's, it's a huge payoff. Yeah, I keep, you know, for years I've said, because I, I make bread as well, it's, it's not as often as I do pizza, but for years I've said I'm going to start a sourdough starter and then feed the mother and, you know, keep doing it over and over and over and I, I just have always put it off. And even, you know, we've been in our house for three weeks now. I, I still have not done it yet. And it's kind of intimidating. You look at all the guides and you have to keep feeding it every other day. You have to take some out. It's like the but, ultimate Tamagotchi, dude. And, you know, your first couple of results aren't always great. You know, my first couple of sardos have been flat and dense. But guess sure. what? We still eat them and they're still pretty good. You know, I, yeah. I kind of sliced them up and I made them into crostinis and stuff, even though they weren't great sandwich breads. So it does take a, a couple of tries. Um, you know, we're getting better at it. You know, it's, it's sure. a skill you have to develop and that's, and that's a hobby, you know? Yeah, it's, absolutely. It's, and that's part of it. That's doing plenty of research, getting into those worlds that hobbies have, you know, Reddit is a great place to get lost in the hobbies. There's subreddits for everything, whether it's home brewing, bed ma bread making. Um, I'm sure there's a bed making subreddit as well. Yeah. I would not be surprised at all. Uh, another thing I have kind of been dabbling in for a few years, and I'm seriously considering diving a little bit deeper, is raspberry Pi projects. I have five or six of them around the house right now. One of them is a scoreboard, which unfortunately with sports being canceled at the moment isn't working. But with baseball season coming up, hopefully returning here June or July, uh, it, it updates constantly on a little 64 by 32 LED panel, uh, displays the updated scores, runners on bases. You know, I used it some during spring training and it was, it was a fun project to build. I actually built yeah. it for the hockey season, um, but it, it's a dual purpose project. And, you know, you learn quite a bit and it's a learning opportunity for your kids as well. If you have kids with you at home on how computers work, how programming works. And, you know, you get to do stuff with your hands, which for me, you know, I sit at the computer and play games, write, do that other stuff. So actually building something and at the end of the day, having something fun to use and look at um, was, you know, a sense of pride. 
you know, other Raspberry Pi projects include a magic mirror, which is getting a two-way piece of glass and actually putting a display behind it and seeing cool. you know, weather updates and, and your calendar and all that. Um, and then also there's plenty of projects out there to build weather stations. There's a add-on board that you could put onto a Raspberry Pi that'll tell you humidity levels, pressure, and then also in, integrate weather forecast, which you can put in the magic mirror or use it as a standalone project. Have you messed around with Raspberry Pi at all? No, I have not. I've been thinking about it, you know. Uh, you know, maybe I'm thinking about maybe a couple, you know, little patrol robots or, you know, drones yeah. flying around the house. You know, that, that might be cool. Yeah, speaking of Reddit, there's plenty of Raspberry Pi Pi project subreddits uh, that, I mean, you could really go down some rabbit holes with some of the projects. There's there's an antenna you could hook up to a Raspberry Pi apparently that will pick up planes flying overhead, the signals really? they are constantly outputting and create a map of who is who is above you right now or what planes are above you and where they're going. And it, there, there are some rabbit holes with Raspberry Pi projects. Awesome. Uh, what, what are some other hobbies that not only you can do, but people can do at home, you know, not just for us? Yeah. So you know, I, more food stuff, right? Because I am a foodie, right? And I, I, I believe in, in, I'm not, I wouldn't call myself a prepper, you know, but you know, there are some things that you can do that have, you know, backup food supplies or, or just, you know, food you want to eat. Food dehydration. Uh, you can get them on Amazon, uh, but you could also do it in the oven. Um, and most food you know, dehydrated units maybe cost between fifty and a hundred dollars, one hundred fifty, depending on the size of the unit, depending on how many trays you want. Um, jerkies, fruits, vegetables. You know, if you if you if you be part of a CSA or if you join like you know a company like uh, Misfits Market where they send you organic you know uh, produce um, every week or every other week, it's a great service. You may get too many vegetables and fruits as a result, and you don't want it to go bad. But you know what? You know, you slice it up, put it in the food dryer, and then you can use, uh, you know, dried vegetables uh, for soups and things. Um, fruits you can just eat straight out of the, the you know, out of the bag because they've got sugar content and it's eating like eating candy. Um, food preservation, um, canning, pickling, making jellies and jams, right? It sounds like, you know, J2 should be Jebediah 2 at this point. We're starting to look a little <laughs> Amish. But um, those are fun Soon things enough. to do. Uh, my wife likes to make yogurt in her instant pot. Uh, you can make fantastic quality, you know, Greek style, thick yogurt uh, in one of those devices. We've also been herb growing. Uh, a couple of months ago, we bought this uh, machine. Uh, it's like a little pot and it's got um, UV uh, LED lights on the top. And basically, you know, you put these little pods in uh, of you know, things like, you know, uh, basil, uh, you know, uh, dill weed, all the different kinds of things, uh, parsley, that kind of stuff, uh, Thai basil. Um, it grows really fast with these UV lights. You pour the water in and it tells you when it's, you know, it needs to be fed more water. Um, the lights run on a schedule. Uh, I think 15 hours a day is what they run. Um, you can put it in the corner. Um, works great. Look, if you have an outdoor, you know, a trough, you can, you can grow them in there too. You know, herbs grow really fast and easy. Um, I, I happen to like those things. Um, some people like to work with their hands, um, ceramics, you know, that's a, that's a great thing. If you like to, I mean, obviously having a kiln and stuff, maybe, uh, you know, actually being able to bake stuff that might, might be a little difficult, um, you know, where you are, um, knitting macrame. I have a friend, all she does is she, she makes, you know, sweaters and like, uh, different knickknacks and, and cozies and things. Um, those are fun. Um, but there's, there's so many things that you can do, so many hobbies. 
um, that you can do that don't require sitting in front of a computer screen all day. Uh, and you know, it, that'll make you crazy. So if you're, if you're occupied, if you're doing something, if you're making something, even if it's, if it's not a ultra productive thing, even if it's, if it's, you know, it's artistic, if, if, if it's purely aesthetic, um, it's still something to keep your mind off of this stuff. Right. Yeah. And even that was my point with the Raspberry Pi projects, even though they're still connected to the internet and you're on a computer doing your research yeah. or programming or whatever, at the end of the day, you've put something together and there's, like I said, a sense of pride there with it. And even though, you know, the technology is still involved, you know, the, the display I built, the, uh, it, it, it's, it's fun. You know, my kids have enjoyed looking at it when, when the season was still going on, there's a clock aspect to it. Um, even it, it's a little morbid, but the guy who created the NHL uh, project has now introduced a board that tracks COVID cases and you can wow. go worldwide by country, by state, and it'll tell you, you know, how many people are sick, how many yeah. tests are positive. It, it, so we don't, use that portion of it but uh it you know it's been a fun and interesting project and i've learned a ton about programming and you know, i learned how to solder on this project i had to solder oh yeah i used to do wire. that as a kid with radio shack you know type of projects you know with soldering irons and breadboards and things like that i mean i used to this is back in the early late 1970s early 1980s right before we really had personal computers we had various different you know electronics brought heath kits and things like that yeah. um, i don't know if those things still exist um but I, I i do have to say you know this is you know using your hands in an interactive way uh whether it's repairing something or making something new is is so rewarding i mean um i didn't realize it i forgot what that was like for the longest possible time um, recently, uh, you know, as you know, I bought the new iPad Pro. Yeah. And uh, the iPad Pro uh, currently does not really have any uh, protective cases for it. Yeah. Um, but I did have a couple of spare uh, OtterBox and UAG cases from the previous model. And what I had learned just by measuring the new model was that the only thing that they changed, literally the only thing that they changed, was the camera uh, output, the, right. the camera cutout. Yeah, and so I met, so I, I took a template of, of the, of the new iPad, uh, and I, and I, and I drew on the, uh, the, the old case, took out my Dremel tool and started cutting away. I cut away at the, at the, at, at the plastic with the Dremel cutting blade. And I used the, uh, I used it on the, the, um, on the rubber part of the, of the wrap for the outer box defender. And I made myself a new case. That's it's a custom case. Custom, custom case. case. Awesome. Case customization, extreme, extreme outer box case mod, but it works. <laughs> yeah, it works. Absolutely. Uh, and that, and you know, I sat there and, and, and it probably only took me 20, 30 minutes, but I, I felt like I, you know, it's not exactly a huge creative skill, but I feel like I accomplished something and I, and I felt good about it. I mean, I literally forgot about all this garbage going on for, you know, a good half an hour or an hour while I was, you know, just, just trying to buff out the little tiny little bits of, of plastic and stuff you know it was it was it was awesome yeah absolutely you know i'd be really interested to hear or read what our viewers are doing for their hobbies as well yes. so if you're watching this on youtube please leave a comment let us know what you're doing uh to pass the time and you know any new hobbies you've picked up any closing thoughts jason no. And again, you know, we, we talked about mental health before in one of our earlier podcasts, you know, meditation and, 
and, and uh, you know, reading and, and, and just breathing yeah. and trying to be present. But having a hobby is also about being present because you are focused on what you're doing right then and there and the right. now. You're not distracted by anything else. So you really need to think of hobbies, not just as entertainment, but mental health care, taking care of your brain, you know, turn, turning off all the other stuff and distractions. You know, you can't just sit and watch, read news all day. You can't look at Facebook all day. You can't yeah. work all day. Right. There's got to be something else. Right. Right. Yeah, I agree with you 100 percent. And, you know, going back to brewing my own beer, that's a three or four hour process. Depending on your equipment, it could be up to a six or eight hour process. And that's a, a full day of doing something that takes your mind off of everything that's going on outside uh, of your home or of your environment. And so, you know, pick a hobby that allows you to escape for a little bit. It's, it's healthy for you. It's healthy for everyone you're around as well, to be 100 percent honest. All right, I'm Jason Cipriani. And I'm Jason Perlo. Thanks for watching us. Make sure to check out ZDNet.com for more videos and content from both of us. And this is Jason Squared.